Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. I'd like you to take your Bibles, if you would. We're going to turn to uh, St. Luke chapter 15. I'll let you have a seat in just a quick moment here, but we're going to read a little bit from the Word of the Lord. And then after we have shared some from the Word of the Lord here, we're going to have a candlelight service. And I promise the candlelight service will be shorter than the wax dripping on your hands. So we'll try to get that time just right. Then the Lord drew near. This is Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Then drew near unto them, and to him, all the publicans and sinners, for to hear him. All the publicans and the sinners. And the Pharisees, that's the religious people, and the scribes, the religious people, murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners, and eateth with them. So on the one hand, you have Jesus reaching out very intentionally to the lost, but the people who are of the church are there criticizing Jesus for doing what he came to this earth to do. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. They're criticizing him for following up on his mission. Jesus, touch your preacher, touch our ears, let this word touch our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I know the Lord is orchestrating this, this service tonight. Just with that last song, I'm, I can't go back. I'm not going back. And as we go through this chapter here, and we'll not spend a lot of time with that because I understand that we have a full evening. This is New Year's. I'm very much aware of that. But as we go through this, we're going to see people that were bound in the world. But we have been brought out of the world one way or the other. Thank God for it. Some of you were saved on a pew. Some of you were saved by the Lord reaching out into the world and drawing you in. Some of you tried on your own power and came back through your own energy back to church. Some couldn't come back on their own. They're so bound. Some raised on the pew, so to speak, and reached that way. And so there's three different groups of people that are shared here in this chapter, chapter 15. Verse 4, And what man of you having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness? I can just see Jesus here looking at the Pharisees and the scribes and saying, if you had a lost Jewish saint from your church, wouldn't you go out and try to bring him back? So Jesus had intended to preach to the lost people, the, the, the publicans, the, the, the filthy, the sinners, so to speak. He intended to preach to them. He had a sermon, so to speak, ready to go for them. But the church people showed up. Now, 
I'm not, I'm not taking shots at the church people here, although sometimes I need to have a shot taken at me. Would you agree with that? Sometimes I need the Lord to step on my toes and say, hey, Chuck, wake up, man. What are you doing? But that's not my real intention here tonight. I wanted to show the contrast of two audiences that are hearing the same sermon. And Jesus switched from preaching to the sinners to preaching to the sinners. They were just dressed differently. And what man of you having an hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after him which is lost until he find it. We have a beautiful picture. We can't see it here. It's behind the screen. We understand that. But it's the Lord reaching down for that lost sheep. The lost sheep is bound by a power bigger than him. Probably its wool is, is caught in, in thorns and literally cannot pull himself out of that briar patch, whatever it is. And that's a, an example of a sinner absolutely bound in sin and unable to get themselves free from that to make their way back home. There's a lot of people that have been raised in church and they've made their way out into the world, but they have become entrapped in the world, and even though they might want to come back, are absolutely bound by not just the cares of this world, but by the thorns of addiction, by the things that would bind them and hold them in a way that's greater than their power. I'm going to tell you a story about my brother Dan. My brother Dan, he passed away just a couple of weeks ago. A couple of weeks prior to that, he had been in a hospital, in a nursing home rather, and he was dying. I share that with you here. My sister called me. The nurse said, I saw him dying before me. He was going into convulsions and so on. And we prayed right then. And the convulsions stopped, and they didn't have to send him to the hospital. And it was, thank God. Thank God for a lot of reasons. But yet, shortly after that, he went to the hospital. And he ended up dying of COVID. But during that period of time afterwards was a time when the Lord did some very special things in our family and allowed us to get together and allowed us to accomplish some very critical things. It was God's plan, I believe with all my heart, for my brother to pass in that time frame, but he pushed it back so we could take care of some important stuff. At my brother's funeral, it wasn't a time of mourning, really. Now, I, I can speak for most people. Some were mourning a lot. And, 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 and hear what I have to say. It really was a time of celebration because my brother Dan, if you look at his whole life, my brother Dan, he was raised in church. He went to Bible school, and he backslid in Bible school. He was out of the church for 45 or so years. He was bound by alcohol. He was bound by nicotine. He was sinful in many different ways. And he absolutely, I even read it in a letter that he had written to my brother, who was an evangelist at the time. He said, I, I, I would like to come back, but the, but the draw of this world on me is more than I can handle. He was absolutely bound with the thorns of this world. Even though he wanted to come back, he couldn't break loose. My brother, he had a lifestyle that I just didn't understand. I didn't agree. 
and I was a teenager and, and I was trying to live for the Lord and so on and, and I, I, I couldn't go there. I'm, I'll be very transparent here. I'm talking about a person who is bound by powers greater than himself. Unable on his own power to make it back to God. And we prayed for my brother Dan, but nothing happened. And I thought, I, I, yeah, the alcohol, the lifestyle, this, I, I just, I can't go there. And I just, I just separated myself from my brother. I just, it was as though he died. It was as though I ordered a tombstone for his grave. He was so sinful, I couldn't relate. I didn't want to be like that. I, wanted, I, I couldn't even relate to that. Can anybody talk, understand what I'm talking about? You understand what I'm saying? And it's so bad, it's like, I don't even, I, no, I don't even know that guy. But I, God spoke to me and he said, if you're ever going to see your brother come back, you've got to keep a relation with him. You've got to keep a relationship with him. You've got to keep the door open of fellowship and friendliness. You can't cut your brother off and pretend he's dead. And we pray. I got back to the place where I'd talk to him. And, and we, I was kind of the one that he would turn to when there were struggles. And, and I thought, what a change. That was God. That was absolutely God doing the work on my sinful heart to help his sinful heart. And we prayed four and a half decades. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed, bound by addictions, innumerable addictions, numerous addictions. And one day he was in his living room sitting down and he just cried out to God, God, help me. God absolutely delivered him from the desire to drink. Totally gone. Now that's our God reaching out and saying, I'm going to cut you free. That's not somebody coming back to church on their own power. That's God going out into the world saying, let me bring you back. Let me cut you loose. Let me bring you back to the fold. Let me bring you back to the house of God. We know people in the world that are in the world that our nature would separate ourselves. Like the Pharisees here saying, how dare you spend your time with those evil people? If there was a Pharisee, it was me separating myself. But God worked me over. And we saw my brother come back. <laughs> I, I won't go into details, but he had questions about lifestyle things. And he turned to the word of God that he was raised with. And he said, God doesn't like that. I can't do that. And it was the word of God that pricked his heart to change his life. God continued over and over and over to reach out to him, to bring him back. So at my brother's funeral, let me tell you, it was a celebration. It was like we killed the fatted calf. It wasn't that he came back on his own. God went out to get him, but it was a celebration. Let me tell you, I know there were people prayed, <laughs> prayed every day. Prayed every day. In my home that I grew up in, 
My parents bought that house when I was six months old, and they, we just sold that a few weeks ago. It's a long time to own a house. It's a lot of stuff to be in a house, too. God help us. Move every few years, parents, please. Move every few years. <laughs> I told my son-in-law, Josh, I said, in my will, you inherit everything in the garage. But this is a unique will. It starts right now. Come on over. <laughs> Upstairs in the bedroom where my parents slept, my mom would pray. My parents were kind of private people in a sense. Close, the door would be closed. But I'd hear my mom praying through the door. Save my kids. Save my son. Save my daughter. Parents, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying for the lost. It's 45 years of prayers of a parent. Of parents. 45 years of prayers of people touching the throne of grace for my brother Dan. My dad, he would pray down in the basement. He liked to get away from everything and really talk to God and not have somebody looking over his shoulder. That was his personality. I probably have a lot of that myself. But he would pray. Sometimes I would hear the prayers kind of coming up the stairs. He would pray for the family. After my brother's funeral, we went over to my mom's house just days before we closed on it. And we had the funeral dinner there. Or should I say the funeral celebration? It's like we came home and we celebrated at home. That's our job, folks. Let's bring the city home and celebrate. We were sitting in the house and I walked through the kitchen and saw where I <laughs> had been sitting years ago when I was 16. We were having family prayer. Our dad would have us pick out verses, and I'd usually look for the shortest psalm I could find. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but one winter, <laughs> about 50 years ago, at family altar, I was sitting there and we're praying and just doing a family prayer, but got a little more serious. Now, I wasn't some prodigal out in the world. I was the, I was the lost coin in the house. I was lost, but I was in the house. You know what I'm saying? There's people lost out there, but there's people lost in here. And I was a 16-year-old, and I was lost even though I was sitting on the pew. I was trying to do the God thing, but I was lost. And, and the prayer got a little more serious. And I heard my sister start crying a little bit, and something just broke inside me. Now, you got to understand, I went to a church kind of like Calvary up in St. Paul where we had a Bible school. 
And I would go to the altar like every service almost. And those Bible school kids would gather around me and try to pray me through to the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you, I could write a book about people helping you get, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that, you know, it was part of their assignment. Try to pray that kid through. So ironically, because of the prayers of my family. Family, don't stop praying. Family, don't stop praying. Family, don't stop praying for your lost kids. There's nobody in that world going to take care of that job for you. You can't hire that out. You can't, you can't go to some website or something. You've got to do that yourself. That's work. But that's what we get to do. And I got the Holy Ghost sitting at the, you can get the Holy Ghost sitting down. I got the Holy Ghost sitting at the kitchen table, and I spoke in tongues for probably two hours in my family's home. My life was changed. I wasn't perfect. God knows I wasn't perfect. But my life was changed. You see, the next peril, a parable in this story, I believe, is the lost coin, where the lady had 10 silver coins, and she lost one. She didn't go outside to the world looking for it. She didn't go to the yard. She stayed in the house and looked for the lost coin. See, lost is lost is lost. Did you get that? Doesn't matter if I'm half saved, I'm still lost. Doesn't matter if I come to church every Sunday morning, I'm still lost. I mean, it does matter, but you know what I'm saying? That doesn't, that doesn't get the job done. But when the lost coin was found, there was celebration. The neighborhood was called in. There was a celebration. There was a celebration when the lost sheep was brought back, the neighbors were brought in. There was a celebration because the lost sheep had been found and brought back. Now the lost coin that was in the house was found and there was celebration. Now that takes us to the third parable. Each of these refers to the home. Each of these refers to rejoicing. We know the story of the prodigal son. I'm not going to tell it in detail. He was bound, but yet he was somehow able to make his way back. I don't know exactly what happened. I'm pretty sure there was a praying dad in that picture. But that praying dad was a man of faith, I believe. Personally, I don't think that that fatted calf just happened to be out in the back 40. I believe it was an act of faith. Honey, one day we're going to celebrate when our son comes home. And I'm going to have a fatted calf ready. Honey, one day we're going to see our kid come back. And he'll be sick and tired of this world. But he'll make his way back. And we've got to be ready. Now, I may be wrong, and this is not doctrine, and the Bible doesn't say it, but just humor me for a little bit. I don't think he just said, hey, grab a really good suit of clothes out of my closet. I think maybe he had a special 
robe, a special garment. And the Bible talks about a very nice garment. I think he had it prepared. It really doesn't matter, though, because in his heart, it was, my son has come home. He was out there. He's come back. Three lost people. One couldn't come back. One was lost in the house. And one was out there that used to be at home, but was sowing his wild seeds until he got sick of it. And he decided to come home. Now let me, let me draw this to a conclusion and help you to relate to each of these in a special way. I can just see the dad of that prodigal son going out on the porch each night. Saying, I wonder if he's going to come home tonight. I think I'll leave a light burning on the porch. This is a little Jewish lantern. It has a string. It has oil in it. If I do this right... We'll get it going. I can see the father saying, I'm expecting my son to come back sometime. I'm going to leave that porch light on. Those of you that are a little bit older may remember Tom Baudet. <laughs> this is Tom Baudet, and on behalf of Motel 6, we're going to leave the light on for you. How many remembers that? <laughs> you kids don't have a clue, do you? <laughs> it was a very successful campaign ad. How much does it cost to leave a light on? Well, if there was a 100-watt bulb running a sign in front of a motel, it costs just about 800 bucks a year to operate. About nine cents a kilowatt hour. Ask your science teacher, kids. Calvary, how much does it cost to leave the light on? How much does it cost to leave the porch light on? How important is it to leave the light on for the prodigals to know that we're ready and eager for you to come home? Oh, it's not a dollar cost. It's not a dollar cost. You see, this little, this little lamp here, it's just a little string that's burning, but it's not just string. It's, it's wicking up oil, olive oil. There's oil in there. The oil is powering this light. Oil is a type of the Holy Ghost. See where I'm going with this? Our light, the little light we shine, that's not us. It's not our personality. It's not our energy. It's the Holy Ghost inside us. That oil of gladness that the Lord will allow us to run, to burn, 
to reach this world. God's got a plan. Now hear what I have to say in just the next few sentences. Maybe your job is to reach for the lost people inside the building. Maybe you're a Sunday school teacher and you're trying to check those corners for the lost Calvary kid. Your ministry is in-house. Thank you for all of you Sunday school teachers, all of you sound people, video people. Your ministry is in the house. It doesn't stay in the house, but your ministry is in the house. Some of our ministries is to go out into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. Some people have the personality. We all have the responsibility. We all have the opportunity, but some people do more of that, and God uses personalities. Didn't he use the boldness of the apostle Peter? Absolutely. Some people go out Saturday morning and they're praying outside the building for people to come in, to come home. What's your job? Some people, the job is to keep the light burning, to maintain the building, to keep the lights going. There are a whole lot of light fixtures changed the last few weeks around here. Thank you for what you do. It takes every one of those in the building, in the Sunday school room, outside the building, to bring the lost in. There goes my example. There goes my other example. We're good. I'd like to have the teenagers make their way up to the front, please. We're going to um, go ahead and get your candles ready here. Like everybody to prepare your candles, if you will. Is everybody okay? All right. I chose the young people specifically. For one, I want the guests, I want the lights to get shared quickly. <laughs> Keep the wax off your hands. But I want you to understand that you are a part of this mission to seek and to save that which is lost. It's not just the ministry. It's not just the teachers. Not just the youth workers. It's not just the parents. But you can do that too. If I could give you just a little bit of advice, if your candle is unlit, you can hold that horizontally. The lit candle, keep it vertically and let the person with the unlit candle come sideways. You'll save a lot of burns that way. If we could bring the lights down just a little bit here. Or the mic. Go ahead and light here. Spread out a little bit, everybody. And just as soon as your candle is lit, you can go ahead out into the aisles. Everybody, why don't we stand up for this portion?
These lights symbolize many things for different services. Sometimes it commemorates a person. Sometimes it commemorates consecration or, or challenges as in consecration. I'd like you to be thinking about the light that you can share with somebody in the church. About the light that you can share with a prodigal that used to go to church. About the light that you can share with someone that doesn't know anything about Jesus Christ. You see, you have the power through the Holy Ghost to let your light shine. You're witnesses. We're witnesses. The Bible says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on an hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light in all that are in the house. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. It's not the lights that the city founders light that light up the city. It's the lights on the front porches. It's the lights of a private business. Sure, the government has some lights. Yes, they do. But if you fly over a city, most of the lights that you see are private lights paid for by individuals. So we're a city. We're set on a hill. But we have to understand that that light is not lit by somebody else and kept lit for somebody else and kept maintained by somebody else. It's my light on my porch. I'd like us to pray just for a little bit. And what I'd like you to think in your mind right now is a person that you are reaching for, a person that you have been ministering to, a person that you have been trying to touch. Let's pray together right now. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, because you have a work for us to do. And I ask, Lord, for you to do that. Do that through your people. Do that through your saints. Help us to reach the lost in this building. Help us to reach the lost that come back to this building. But help us to go out into this world to release, Lord, people into freedom through prayer, through the spirit that you have for us, God. Help us to do that. Lord, we thank you for what you do. We thank you for your power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'd like you to extinguish your lights at this time. Be careful to blow carefully and easily on your lights, if you would. If we could have the house lights back up again. I am thrilled to tell you that we have a baptistry tonight. A baptism, rather, tonight. And we, here we have an illustration of the work of Calvary reaching a life, touching somebody with truth, and now here they have this element of salvation taking place. And as they're preparing to do that, and as you're putting your candles out there, I want you to think, who can I reach out to? Who can I bring? Who can I help be a part of? Their salvation. God wants us to do that. Let's let that little light shine. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, as we continue to think about those people that you have put 
in front of us, God. I ask, Lord Jesus, for you to give us burdens. Give us direction. Give us, Lord Jesus, boldness. Give us the right words to say. Give us, Lord Jesus, the passion to push through our own personalities and to set aside our own responsibilities to take time to do the spiritual work that we need to be doing. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I have a knife that was given to me. I don't normally carry it because it's a little bit bigger than what I would normally carry. But I've been carrying it lately because it was given to me by a prodigal. And every time I pull that knife out to use it or set it on the dresser, I say a little prayer for that prodigal. It's my reminder, keep on praying for that prodigal. Saints of God, keep on praying for the prodigals. Children of God, keep on praying for the lost, 